just sing a song that God is in his place and as he, he is because I feel him. I feel his comforting spirit. I feel his Holy Spirit ministering and touching people's lives. And I'm so glad and I, I'm believing that, it, that, that if, if, if you're feeling what I'm feeling right now, then you're pretty happy. I'm sorry, I don't need to snort. <clears throat> I love it because without God, we're nothing. And I am not enough. You are not enough without Him. Nothing last night, everything, all the wonderful things we did last night. Met so many, we've had probably five or ten people that said, hey, within the next several weeks, we're going to come visit your church. And I said, at that point, I said, I don't care if we make money or lose money. It don't matter at all. We're going to have souls come to our church and be a part. And we can minister to them and love them and take care of them. And be a, and be a family for them. And that's all that matters. So I'm excited about that. And I know that God's going to do great and mighty things. Just a quick, quick reminder. Next, next Sunday, as a church, anybody that wants to going to go to uh, Calabash together and, and go down there and go to the Christmas house and eat food. We'll tell you about that more about next week. But just be thinking about that. I'm so sorry. But anyway, today I'm talking about a message, and, and I want you to, to listen to it. I'm praying that, and I saw already, we have a lot of people on Facebook Live watching, and I pray that you share this so other people can see it. I think this is one of the biggest questions in Christianity today, and that is, why is God so mad at me? And I'm going to answer that question today for you. Um, have you ever done anything dumb? I know I have. I mean, I've done a lot of dumb stuff. I used to talk too much and daydream in school. All, all it said is I got ends in conduct because I would daydream and I would talk too much. And, and, I, and I would do just crazy stuff at school and at church. And I would get in trouble at church. And God don't appreciate you running in church, son. God don't like that. Okay, so I started off as a young kid thinking God was mad at me. All right, I'm running to church. God's ticked at me, you know. I cheated on a social studies test one time because I had to pass it to graduate. And, the, the, and right, I was sitting on the very front row on that side over there. And the teacher, the teacher says, and I, have my, I got my little cheat sheet out. It was about this big. And I put it under page two. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I'm going to pass. I'm going to graduate now. And all of a sudden, the teacher says, oh, no, I made a mistake. I got to change something on page two. And guess who he came to first in the classroom? Came to me. He picked up the first page, saw my cheat sheet, moved the cheat sheet aside, changed it, put the cheat sheet back, and put it back down, and kept going. I said, God, you did that on purpose. You were mad that I was cheating and I was sinning, and then you want to go ahead and get me in trouble, and now you want me to feel guilty because you saved me from failing this, this grade. I know what it is. You're mad at me, aren't you? I used to make these uh, as, a young, as a young teenager and, and older teenager even maybe, and maybe when I was 20 or something like that. <laughs> I, I used to make these little videos, and we called them Shouting Ground Ministries. And uh, they were pretty sacrilegious. Uh, we would pray for people, and they would he get healed, and, and they would fall out, and I would sell holy water. We made these little videos, just me and my friend. And, and we would pray for people, and they would like, oh, glory, I can see. There was this one guy. There was, well, I had this, this, uh, the lady was playing the piano, but it was a guy sitting there. I mean, it was a girl sitting there. And so I said, uh, this is a girl, and she's got a man's voice, and we're going to pray for her, and God's going to touch her voice. And he's like, amazing grace. And I prayed for her, she said, how sweet us. And she got healed. It was kind of cool. It was funny. It was really sacrilegious, and God was so mad at me about that. And I thought I was going to go to hell because everybody, there's only one copy of the good ones left, um, but, but not any of the bad ones anymore. We, we, we have burned those, and hopefully, um, unless they're run for president, they'll probably never show up. Um, <laughs> But they were bad. I mean, seriously, they were really bad. And, and, you know, and my parents and other people saw me and were like, man, do you think God's pleased with that? You know, and what I didn't realize deep down was I, I had the ministry in me. 
And I was going about showing it the wrong way and doing it the wrong way, but I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to pray for people and them get healed. I wanted to, to bless people. I wanted to, to, to see miracles. You know, I wanted to do all these things and, 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 and be blessed and, and, and do, do this kind of stuff. And so it was coming out of me, but it was coming out in the wrong way. But because of that, I showed some, some people these videos, and man, they were like, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. So thank God that for his grace, and he's forgiven me for that. And, you know, I got caught making out with a girl in an old man's Sunday school classroom. When I, and they were, you know, God, you're grieving, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. So as a kid, I was already going to hell already. I knew that was going to happen. So maybe you've done some dumb things in your life, and, and you, you, you've done some bad things, and you felt bad for them. And I have repented and over and over uh, about Holy Ground Ministries. <laughs> Um, but, but, when it, but, but God's voice comes and speaks to us. God, when, whenever God speaks to you, he's going to speak to you in a voice that's very simple to understand. It's not going to be complicated. It's not going to be pushy. It's not going to be nothing like that. It's going to be very easy to understand. And when people think about, is God mad at me? I'm going to read today um, from most of my scriptures from the message version. It's very easy to understand. I know we have several visitors today from, from last night. And I hopefully, if you're one of our family folks here, that you get around and get to see them and meet them. And... Um, and make them feel welcome. But I'm going to read it from the message version. Um, go write these scriptures down and go home and read it in the King, New King James. or the, I love the NLT. But I want to read it from this just because it's just so plain how, how it kind of breaks it down. Isaiah 54, 9 through 10 says, This exile is just like the days of Noah for me. He's talking to Israel here. I promised then that the waters of Noah would never flood the earth again. I'm promising um, now no more anger, no more um, dressing you down. For even if the mountains walk away and the hills fall to pieces, my love won't walk away from you. My covenant commitment of peace won't fall apart. The, gov the God who has compassion on you says so. Okay, I love that. And so whenever you start to go deeper with God, your flesh freaks out. Because our flesh is what we want to please. Our flesh is why we sin. And so when you start getting deeper with God and you start trying to turn your life around and do good things, all of a sudden your flesh says, you don't deserve this. Your flesh says, you're, hey, God doesn't care about you. You're no good. You can't make it. You can't do it. You, you, you think you're somebody now because you're going to read a little bit more, pray a little bit more, go to church more, commit yourself to a church, what have you. I mean, it, it, before you get saved, the devil says, hey, you're so bad, God will never forgive you. You're so, you're so why would you go to church? God can't forgive you. You've done too many bad things. You were evil. You were bad. You know, and then right after you get saved, oh, you think you're saved? You said it, but did you really mean it? Oops, you done slipped up, so you're going to hell already. Might as well give up and quit. I mean, the, constantly the enemy is trying his very best to pour onto you to let you feel like you're not good enough and that God hates you. You know, and then before you join a ministry be, and become a part of a ministry, well, I want to be a greeter, I want to be an usher, I want to help with outreach, or I want to, you know, whatever. Then all of a sudden, the enemy comes again. Oh, now you're going to bless other people. Now you're going to minister. You, you need ministering to yourself. Your life's so jacked up, you don't need to minister to nobody. You need to get yourself straight first. When adversity comes, when, when, we start, when people start getting sick in our family, start dying in our family, when, whenever we start um, maybe, maybe losing our job, whenever we have bills that come up, all this stuff, when they come, see, I thought you were a Christian. I thought God loved you. You can't even pay your bills every month. You know, how can you pay your tithes this month? You don't need to pay your tithes because you got bills to pay. Don't worry about God. He'll forgive you. You know, when, when you sin, obviously, definitely when you sin, the devil's like, oh, you're a sinner. You know, look at that. How, how, who do you think you are? You're a bad person. You have sinned. God is mad at you. 
And certainly when you backslide on God and you turn your back on God and you quit serving God and you once did, oh, you've done, you've done, you're bad. You had, you, you mean you once served God and you tasted the good things of God and you turned your back on him? So he ain't going to want you back. He don't care about you. There's no way he's going to accept you back again. You done tried it and you lost a game. So therefore you might as well stay with, stay with me, the enemy might say. But thank God in Luke chapter 15 and 24 um, in the prodigal son story, he says, my son is here, given up for the dead, and now alive, given up for lost, and now found. And then it says, then they begin to have a wonderful time, or in another translation, they begin to have a party. God always accepts those that have strayed away from him. He always accepts them back. God, God, why are you so mad at me? I, I've heard this hundreds of times with people. Um, um, Augustine said, God is not what you imagined or what you understand. If you understand, then you failed because you can't understand. If you think you got it, you think you figured them out, just, start all, just, just scrape all that to the side and start all over again because you're not even close and you never will be close. Do you know what the, one, of the number one, one of the number one statements that, that is given for, for people who have 30 days or less to live? Why is God so mad at me? What have I done? Why is he going to kill me? That's, why, that's what people feel. It's, obviously, it's not true, but that's how they feel. What have I done to deserve this? Whenever you, whenever you get in a bad situation, that's what, what, that's what people say. They come to me and say, what did I do to deserve this? And I'll tell you, one of the, one of the biggest questions is, why does good things happen to bad people? Well, a lot of people struggle with that answer. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. It's easy. Adam and Eve. If Adam and Eve didn't sin in the garden, we would be happy running around in the garden, having a good time, eating from the tree of life. That's it. But see, Adam and Eve sinned, and just like in a, in a computer, it put a virus in the system. And there's a virus in the system now, so bad things are going to happen. But there had to be payment and a sacrifice for that sin. And God said, God loved, for God so loved the world, not hated or was mad at the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he sent his son down, and, and he sent his son and, and to, to, to pay for that sin that Adam and Eve did. And so he said, okay, now the, payments, the payment, the sacrifice has been done, but you have to accept the sacrifice. So if you accept the sacrifice, then you'll be saved from the curse and the, and the punishment of sin. But see, most of the time, we, we blame God for all the bad things that happens in our life, but God never gets any glory for all the good things. We're like, we're like, oh, I'm, how are you doing? Well, hey, man, you know what? Things are going great. Life is, life is good. Well, how are you doing? The other thing we hear is, well, you know, I know it's horrible. I don't know why God's so mad at me. So you said God gets blamed for the bad. He don't get no glory for the good. I really believe that when, in, in our first 30 seconds in heaven, we're going to sit there because we're going to have a spiritual mind and we're going to know things. And our first 30 seconds in heaven, we're going to be like, I was so wrong about who my heavenly father was. Do you know that Baylor is one of the largest Christian um, cottages around? And they asked them, what do you think of God? Who do you think he is? 15,000 students. 31.4% said he's authoritarian. He's a judge. 25% said he's benevolent. He just helps the poor. This is a <laughs> Christian college. 23% said he's a distant, he's far away, you can't get to him. 16% said he's just critical. So 85% of people in a Christian college 
says he's authoritarian, benevolent, distant, critical, a critical God, only 15% thinks that he's a loving, caring God in a Christian college. But he loved us so much that he made us in his image as his masterpiece. Our response to adversity is, God, why are you so mad at me? There was a Christian blog on ChristianNet.com, and, and, the, and the question was, could it be possible that God is mad at me? The reason I ask is because there is no end to the terrible things that happened to me. When my former neighbors were terrorizing me and people tried to help me, everything went wrong. Everything goes wrong. And see, the thing is, is I found out that, that whenever, we, whenever we make God as our enemy, we forget that the devil is our adversary. Okay, God says, and I say this all the time from the pulpit because I, 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 people just have to get it. <clears throat> God said in his word, I come to bring life and life more abundantly. And the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So why do we blame God when bad things happen? He, the enemy is, 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 is the one who does it all, okay? The enemy is the one who does it, but God is the one that holds him back and only allows certain things to happen. He loves you so much that he wants that to happen, that wants to take care of you and wants to love you. But we blame God for everything. <clears throat> and, 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 and I understand that God allows things to happen to us from the bad, from the enemy. But I'll explain to that in a moment as well. So we got to understand, um, I'm going to give you four quick, quick reasons and then two stories and I'll be done. Of why that God, people feel that God's mad at you. Now, this first one I'm going to spend the most time on, and then the rest of them I'll run through. But this first one, at first you're going to say, okay, that's not why I feel that way. But after I, after I begin to explain it, a lot of you are going to be like, oh, maybe that is why. The first one is, maybe it's the way that I saw my dad growing up. See, the fact is that, that, that the enemy loves, just loves for us to compare our heavenly father to our earthly father because our earthly father does not have the ability to love like he does does not have the ability to care and do for us like he does so the enemy's like yeah that's right they all connected your daddy that's another daddy they're both bad they both don't do good uh, you know and, and so i don't care how good and maybe you say but i had a great father he still don't compare to my heavenly father i don't care how good he is do you know out of the 24 million kids that have no dad, about 34% of them are, are poor, use drugs, or in jail, and are subject to child abuse. And, and the first 8 to 10 weeks of an 8 to 10 year old infant child, they can only, send, they can only see 8 to 10 feet. I'm sorry. The first 8 to 10 weeks of, a, of an infant, they can only see 8 to 10 feet away from them. So that's why they bond with mom so much because the mom's always right there. That's why it's important for a dad with a newborn to get, get in, that, in that space to say, hey, I'm dad, here I am, I care for you. I'm always amazed how, how you know, parents of this generation, that they all we all talk about this generation, but we act like we didn't have nothing to do with it. We act like, oh, well, it's them, I ain't had nothing to do with it, I did my job. Whenever I was a youth pastor at White Oak, I had over, I had over 200 kids, and we bust six, bu six, bu six school buses to the church. We picked them up over an hour and a half away. And um, the biggest problem I had, the number one problem was dad issues. So when I started reading this, I was like, oh my God, that is the answer of, of, of so much. Because, because uh, they would say, oh, my dad loves my girlfriend, his girlfriend more than me. He, my dad loves his girlfriend's children more than he loves me. My dad is in jail. My mom brings home boyfriends every night. 
My, my dad abuses me sexually. He abuses me physically. He abuses me emotionally. And they would say, Pastor, like, I just can't go home. If you suspend me from church, he's going to kill me because he's going to be mad at me and tell me that I don't even need to be here. You know, and so it would go on and it would go on. I went to a softball game with a girl. One of, one of them was here to, 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 in, in Wilmington. And I showed up to the softball game and, and the girl began to cry and said, Pastor Doug, you don't know how much it means for you to be here today. I said, well, sweetie, it's a blessing. No, you don't understand. My dad's never come to a softball game. You're the only man that's ever showed up. And they, they're just dying for that. And then I'm, I'm sitting there, and all these kids are just crying to me and telling me all these bad stories and stuff and, and, and telling me what's going on in their lives. And, 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 and they, they looked at me. So many of them said, man, you're like a dad to me. You're a spiritual father to me. And I, I love that because they would call me during the week and say, Pastor Doug, I got a question. Pastor Doug, can you help me with my homework? Pastor Doug, can you help me get, get a job? Can you be a job reference? Can you do this? And they were all the time, it was crazy. I had 200 kids. They were all, I didn't work. I just helped kids all the time. You know, and I had to, I had to ask God for grace but 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 what happened was normally when I left a youth group because I you know I'm relationship so I, I build tight relationships when I left the youth group normally I would cry and they would cry and then I would have to leave because they love me and I love them when I left White Oak there was 200 kids I had three kids get in the floor on their back and just scrawl and just scream I was like what did I do to these kids oh my god and so what I, then they got up when they found out after after it was over everybody we were crying loving each other Three kids got up, and they said, Pastor Doug, you're like a dad to me. I said, I know, baby. I love you. No, you're just like, I thought you were different. You're just like my dad. He left me. Now you're leaving me. And I was like, oh, God. I don't, but, but God said, but God said, but why would God tell you to leave me? Because you're all I got. I, I, I just, I didn't, have, I, didn't have, I didn't have the wisdom. I didn't know what to say. It, it crushed me. It pierced my heart. But I still talked to them kids. You know, Kristen was part of that group. Nick was part of that group. You know, I still talk to them kids. They still text me. Some of them still call me and ask me for advice. Some of them still call me and, and talk to me. Hey, Pastor Doug, I just want to talk to you a little bit. I, you know, so on, so on, so I stay, some of them still call me, and I still answer the phone and talk to them. But I had these GCAs one day, and it was God Choice Awards. I always hear the, the CMAs and, and all these other things. So I said, we're going to have a God's Choice Awards. Because these kids were so broken. They were so broken. They were so pitiful. And so what I did was to make them feel good. I said, I want you to understand. Y'all know, know God is my masterpiece. is my favorite scripture, right? So I said, I want you to understand how much God thinks about you. You show up to this church at a certain day, and I'm going to show you what God thinks about you. So they showed up, and I got eight limousines. And I loaded every one of them kids up in a limousine and took them in high fashion all the way over to another facility. When they got out, there was red carpet there. There was paparazzi taking pictures of them, wanting their autograph, talking to them, loving on them. They went inside, and we made a big deal. I bought, I got, a, you know, they have stars in Hollywood. I got big old stars for them and put their names on the stars engraved in them and stuff. And, 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 and I said, look here, here, there's only one award here at the God Choice Awards, and it's the Masterpiece Award. And I said, so, and the, I, I, God has already sent me the, aunt, the winner, and I want to let you know the winner of the God's Choice, Choice Award, his masterpiece is, oh, my gosh. He said that he can't decide because he loves each one of you as his masterpiece, and you, each and every one of you are so special to God that he has to give every one of you an award. So I began to pass out the awards. And then I said, God loves you, and so many of you have been beat down by your father, and your father don't love you, and your father doesn't care. But I want to tell you what, Jesus is your father. And many of you, pretty much all of you, have never had a daddy-daughter dance. I want all you ladies to stand up, and all the, all the girls stood up. And I said, today's going to be your daddy-daughter dance that you never had. I said, I want you to raise your hand. 
just like this right here. And I said, God's going to twirl you. And I, I, we, played this, we played this song. It's a secular song. Just the way, I love you just the way you are. And we begin to play that song. And I said, okay, God's reaching down. He just grabbed your hand, little girl. He thinks you're beautiful tonight. He thinks you're so pretty. He wants you to spin. He wants to spin you. Will you spin one time? These girls were wrecked. They were just bawling. Because they never had a dad hold their hand. They never had a dad tell them they're beautiful. They never had a dad care about them. So then I had to say, gentlemen, stand up. Hold your hand up like that right there. And I said, God's going to give you a high five. God said he's proud of you for trying. He's proud of you for being here. I said, so get ready. Here it comes. High five. Then these boys started bawling. My dad's never told me he's proud of me. My dad never told me he cared. And so that we just, we just, it was, it was, we needed, we used like 10,000 Kleenexes that night. That was probably the most expensive thing. But see, you don't even realize where it comes from. You don't even realize that that's connected to why you think God's mad at you all the time. How about when your dad comes home, why does you, what did your brother and sister always say? Ooh, you're going to get it. What does your mama say? You wait till your dad comes home. Right? And then you hear the door, you hear the door creak. Oh, Jesus. I got to hide. I got to find something because you know he's coming in. You know, my dad would go in his, my dad had like 40 belts. And he would go in his, he would pull his drawer out of here. And then he would like rattle all kind of belts. And pull one of them out. Like, Which one's coming, the big one or the little one today? You know, your sister, oh, you going to get it, you know. And, and, I, and we, that's, we think that, we, so, so, okay, I've done wrong. Daddy's going to come home and punish me. I've done wrong. Dad's, mom's mad at me. And now dad, and we look at God that way. I've done wrong. I've sinned. So I know you're mad at me because we think they're the same and they're not. Maybe you faced a worse scenario than just a spanking. Maybe you heard the footsteps coming down the hallway in the middle of the night. And you were terrified of, of that you're going to be abused physically or mentally or even sexually. So do not, do not compare my heavenly father to your father, how good or bad he is. Because there's no comparison. My father loves you and he's not mad at you. I stand here today as, as an example of a testimony of a kid who got what he deserved. Spoiled a rod, you, you spared a rod, he spoiled a child. The rod was not spoiled, was spared, was not spared, and I'm not spoiled. <laughs> but here's the problem. God is our father. God is our savior. God is our master. He is not someone waiting for us to mess up. I used to tell my kids all the time, they're like, why aren't you, you're just, you're just, I'm in trouble all the time. I said, son, daughter, I am not sitting in there and watching my television show whatever game or whatever I'm watching, saying, hey, when they come home, I know they're not going to clean their room, and I'm going to go back there and spank them, or I'm going I'm to discipline them or whatever. So I'm not sitting around waiting for that. I'm saying, i got good kids. They're going to come home and do what I told them to do. That's what I'm thinking. And then they don't. <laughs> so I didn't choose to punish you. You choose to be punished. If you'd have done what I said, you wouldn't be punished. You know, and... Talking about this, I had uh, somebody the other day tell me, Pastor Doug, if God loves me and everybody so much, if he's such a loving God, why does he send people to hell? I said, he don't. She said, you mean there ain't no hell? I said, that's not what I said. 
Uh, you, you ask me, why does God send them to hell? God does not send them to hell. You send yourself to hell. Just like I told my children, God's ready for you to come to heaven. All you got to do is do what I tell you. Confess your sins to Jesus. Come to me. You can go to heaven. If you choose, I'm not going to accept the sacrifice, then you're choosing to go to hell. It's not God. God wants you. God says, for whosoever will. That means everybody. Whoever, whosoever. So you choose. So no, God's not this bad God. He don't send you to hell. You make the choice. And he just, he's the judge. He, you know, he, we, we're the jury. We make a choice of what we're going to do. And then he goes and, 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 just, and, and, and follows up on what we say. But we all the time think, why is God so mad at me? I wonder if we were really honest with ourselves, how many of us would admit that at some point in our lives we have felt like God was angry at us or mad at us. It happens to me all of the time. I've been a Christian since I was five years old, and still, to this day, I struggle and I wrestle mad at me or why are things happening the way that they're happening when other people come to me and ask me questions I can answer them because I believe in God's mercy I believe in God's grace I believe in his compassion and I can send that to other people with love and full and total acceptance and belief but when I point that back at myself it's so much harder to accept and what I fall back on is the anger and the guilt and the shame when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you pray like you've never prayed before and you know that there's no possible way that he didn't hear you, but you wake up the next morning and the pain is still there or the sickness in your family is still there or the questions are still there, how do you not question? There has to be anger coming from somewhere. God, why are you mad at me? And I don't know about you, but I need help with that question. I need help in a answering why do I feel like God is so mad at me? Death does not end when you die. I mean, I mean, his love does not end when you die. We think, well, well God loved me, now I'm dead. So when someone died, it's, it's over. No. Psalms 116 and 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because Christ, God, the Holy Spirit gets to have that. They get to have a physical relationship with you finally. A spiritual relationship versus here we're praying to them. Right there we can lay at his feet and we can be right there. His love never stops. Even when we get to heaven, they're going to continue. He doesn't think like you and I do. His thoughts are different. Romans eleven thirty three through 36. Have you ever come to anything quite this extravagant generosity of God? This deep, deep wisdom is way over our heads. We'll, we'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done such a huge favor to God that has to ask him for advice? That, I mean, that he has to ask us for his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, and yes. He doesn't think like us. And we can't think like him. God is not a fair-weather friend. 
He doesn't come and leave you when things are going good, and then when things are going bad, he leaves you. That doesn't happen with him. Romans 11, 28, 29. From, this point on, from, from your point of view, as you hear and embrace the good news of, of, and mess, um, of the message, it looks like the Jews are God's enemies. But looked at looking from the long-range perspective of God's overall purpose, they remain God's oldest friends. God's gifts and God's calls are under full warranty. I love this. Never canceled, never rescinded. God's gifts on your life and God's calling on your life are never rescinded. The full lifetime warranty. They never go away. In my opinion, ministers never retire because the calling is always on their life. They're going to minister somewhere. They can say they're retired, and that's just so they don't pass our church no more. They're still going to minister because it's ending. They can't not minister. Quit separating Jesus from God. We talked last week about Holy Spirit is God, right? But we look at Jesus. Oh, Jesus died on the cross for me. Jesus loves me. Jesus cares for me. But his daddy's mean. Okay, that's not true. They are one and the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three people in one, okay? God, God loved the world so much that he sent his son. He gave his son so he gave the one that you're saying loved him so much. If he didn't give him, he wouldn't be here to love us so much. So therefore, you got to understand that God is not, not, not against you. There's no big God, little God. They're all three God. John 14 and 10. Do you believe that I am the, in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that, that I say to you are not just my own, but rather it is the Father living in me who's doing the work. So that person, Jesus, that you're saying that loves you so much, yes, he does love you that much, but it's God loving you through him. Okay? John 6, 37, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Again, God, it was God's will for him to come love us and die for us. What did Jesus say? Hey, God, if, if, you, if you can do away with this, it may be cool. If I, could, if I could call 10,000 angels. But God said, no, you got to do this. I love these people. And God loved you enough to do that. Um, Hebrews 9 and 15. For this reason, Christ is a mediator of a new covenant. For those who were called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died in a ransom set free from the, the, um, the sins committed under the first covenant. God is not an absentee dad like yours may have been. His love is inconceivable. Psalms 139, 3 and 4. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with my ways. Before a word on my tongue, you know exactly, you know it completely, O oh Lord. I am not the kind, kind of dad. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to show up when I'm telling you that I'm, I'm coming. I won't ignore your phone calls. This is, this is what people are saying. People, people saying, hey, but dad don't return my phone calls. Dad, dad, dad says he's coming, but he never came. He says he's going to call me back. He never does. That's not part of that scripture, that line. That's, that's my, my notes for me if, if it shows it up there. Yep, that's me. That, that's not scripture, that last line. Starting with, I'm not, your, I'm not, not that kind of dad. But C.S. Lewis, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Our feelings come and go. We get mad at God. He's okay with that. We get mad at God, but he never gets mad at us. 1 John, 1 John 3 and 1, how great is the love of the Father that has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that we um, are what we are. The, the reason the world does not know us is that we do not know him. A true father brings discipline to his children, Hebrews 12, 7 and 11. Now listen, 
we, there has to be discipline. Discipline makes us better. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's, te- he's treating you as his dear children. This trouble is that isn't your punishment. It's your training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer or an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why, em- why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our, our parents um, did what seemed best for us. But God is doing what is best for us. Training us to live holy lives, at, um, holy, God's holy best. At the time, discipline is not much fun. It always feels like it's going um, against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is a well-trained, who, there's him who is well-trained finds themselves mature in their relationship with God. See, character, d- d- character comes, does not come until pain comes. When you're in sports, uh, anybody loves the greatest team in the world, and America's team, Dallas Cowboys, you know that Ezekiel Elliott, he didn't, come to, he didn't come to training camp, right? So his first game, he hadn't, been, he hadn't had the pads on, and he hadn't been hit a lot. So he, if you paid attention, he didn't play a lot that very first game. It wasn't because coach was mad at him, but it was because they said his body is not conditioned for all them hitting that, that they were going to hit him that day. His body, he has to keep being hit, so he gets toughened up to being pummeled. Right? And so that's what happened. So, so he, they, he, went to, he went to practice the next week, and they, they, they conditioned his body. So then he was ready and prepared for the hard hits. That's what God does. We're, we are not prepared to handle the, the, the attacks of the enemy. So God allows little things to happen to us to get us prepared for the big attack that may come one day. So we can stand strong in that day. The military. We would have a bunch of pansies trying to fight somebody if we just had people walking off the street going to go fight somebody. So that's why they have to have hard training. It hurts. It's bad. It's horrible. The, the, you know, they have to go through all this hard training to prepare. So all the things that do happen to us that God allows a little bit at a time is all training for us for a character to make us better. And if you're going through something super bad, you're like, but this is real bad. Then God trusts you. Job. What, what happened with Job? God said, have you, have you, have you tried Job? You, can do what, you can't touch his life. But, you, but, you, but then, then he, he had all this stuff happen to him. Why? Because God trusted him. God said, I know Job. He will not turn his back on me. So if you're going through a whole, a lot, a whole lot right now, just know God trusts you and God knows that you're going to hang in there. He loves you enough to give you a second chance. Romans um, 11, 30, 32. There, there was a time... Not so long ago when you were on the outs with God, but the Jews slammed the door on him and opened up things for you. You are now not on the outs, but, but with the door held wide open for you, they are your way back in. In one way or another, God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be on the outside so he can personally open the door and welcome us back in. You have an inheritance with God, um, and there's, there's an inheritance of heaven above waiting for you. So I'm going to go through the next three super quick. Another time, number one, I mean, the second one, maybe it's the way I was taught in church. See, in church, there's do's and don'ts. Everything is do this, don't do that. There's good and bad. You know, the, 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 I, I kind of felt like everything in here was, was what I could do and what I can't do. That's why I need to read the Bible, to find out what you can do. Okay? But the thing is is, is, is if I tell you, hey, do not run out in traffic. Okay? That's a don't, right? But that don't is really pretty good wisdom. But as a six-year-old, hey, I can play Frogger with my life. 
You know, Frogger, where you go out in between all the cars and go across the little board as a kid? Okay, well, well I could play Frogger. I could do that. That'd be fun. Do not. But we, a kid may look at that as, hey, but that would be fun to do. Try to go in between the cars real fast run across the street. But we know that's not. So that's what happens there. We think, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. But God's like, no, I'm giving you wisdom. Um, religion always acts like Holy Spirit with a Bible in one hand and a conviction in the other hand. That, hey, here's the Bible, and I'm going to convict you whenever you mess it up. For thousands of years, humanity has tried to change the character of God. Ezekiel 18, 25 through 29. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear, O Israel, is my way unjust? It is not your ways that are unjust. If a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sin, he will die for it. Because of the sin that he's committed, he will die but if a wicked man turns away from his wickedness he will, that he has committed and does, and does what is just and is right, he will save his life. Because he considers all his offenses he has committed and turns away from them, he will surely live, he will not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. Oh, are my ways unjust, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? And then second, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For he who is among men knows the thoughts of a man, except the man's thoughts within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit. Okay? So, um, no, number three. Maybe grace is too far out of reach. Roman, Romans 3, 22-25. The righteousness is from God that comes... Faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption by Jesus Christ. You cannot go far enough where God's grace cannot grab you and pull you back. The devil loves to condemn you. Condemn you is Satan trying, con condemnation is Satan trying to pull you away. Conviction is God trying to pull you close. Okay? It's a big difference. He loves you continually. Um, Romans 6, 14, for if sin shall be not, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. And then Romans 8, 1 through 3 says, there is now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, number four, here, here's a good one. The devil is a liar. That's why you think that because he's lied to you and you've believed the lie. Okay, everybody knows the sound of the Father's voice. The problem is that the enemy loves to disguise himself. As the Bible says, he comes as an angel of light. He tries to make you think he's good. He, he told you, uh, he was lying to you as soon as you were born. Your parents don't love you. Your friends hate you. The church don't want you. Your husband don't love you. Your ex-husband probably loves you more than not, your present husband does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody told me that. Anyway, um, <laughs> You know, your wife don't love you. She, she only loves you, and she only loves you when you didn't have that gut. I'm working on that. But, 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 you know, nobody cares. They don't want you in ministry. They don't want you to be a part of that church. Nobody cares about you. They're all, they're all mad at you. God is mad at you. That's why you're going through this. Eight. If you can come on up. Chapter eight, verses 43 and 44. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to the Father. The, the, you, you, be, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the very beginning. Not holding the truth. For there was no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and a father 
of lies. The devil himself is a liar. And it says right here that, that when you're listening to him, you're listening to his lies, he becomes your father. We have a choice. There's only good and evil in this world. There ain't no, there ain't, there ain't no in between. You're either serving God or you're serving the devil. There's only two. But we still ask, why does God so mad at me? There's so much freedom in thinking and saying, he is not mad at me. He is not mad at me. Would you say that to yourself? He is not mad at me. Just like Pastor Doug is telling us, there's a difference between discipline and anger. He can discipline us because he loves us, because he's pruning us for things that he knows are coming our way, for gifts that he has that he's sending to us. He is not mad at us. So that means any time that we hear a voice or have a feeling that would suggest that God is angry at us, that's not him. And you can say it out loud, that's not him, that's not God, that is a lie. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at me. What we have to work on is accepting that grace. Because it's so much easier in our flesh to accept anger than it is to accept grace. Because that's not how we're made. That's not how we're built. Just keep saying it to yourself. He is not mad at me. He is not mad at me. There's two stories I want to end with. And I just want to, John chapter 8, 3 through 11, just put that one on the screen. I'm just going to explain it rather than going through it. I want to read the second scripture and we'll be done. The woman was caught in adultery. She was having sex with another man that was not her husband. And they came in there, got her out of bed naked, and drug her out in the streets. And went to God and said, the law says, so you should be mad at her and you need to condemn her and tell her she's a bad person. And they were trying to trick, trick Jesus. And Jesus bowed down on the ground and wrote in the sand. And nobody knows what he said. A lot of people say that he wrote their names or wrote women that they had been with or whatever. Nobody really knows. But whatever they wrote on that thing, they all had stones in their hand to stone her. And they all began to drop their rocks. And they dropped their rock down. And they all turned around and walked away. And he said at the very end, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And in the message it says, and it says, who condemns you? No one, Master. Neither do I, Jesus said. Go on your way. From now on, don't sin. God just wants us not to sin. The last story is the prodigal son. Luke 15, 16 through 24. I'm going to read this really quickly. He was so hungry, he had eaten all of the, the corn cobs and the pig slop. But no one would give him any. They brought they brought him to, they brought, it, this brought him to his senses. He said, all the farmhands working for my father sit down and eat three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. He's got, he had a speech and everything. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as a hired hand. He got right up and went to his father's house. And whenever he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and with the father's heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and jumped on his neck and kissed him. The, the, the son started his speech that he had prepared. Father, I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against you, and I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve to be your son again. And it says here, and in, in, in look how it says it right here in the, in the message, but the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes to dress him. Put, on a, put a, ring, a signet ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet and then get a grain-fed heifer to roast it. I mean, if there was a pig around, I'm sure they probably would have had a bacon fest. But it says, it says, 
We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost, and now he's found. And, and they begin to have a wonderful time and party. God is not mad at you. He is mad about you. And I know I went a little longer today than normal, but I'm sorry. This is so good. i got to give it to you. i got to give it all to you so you can go back and watch it ten times to understand what I'm trying to say. Look, at, look up the scriptures and all that. But God is not mad. This, just like that child, when they ran home to Jesus, ran home to the daddy, he ran out, and his, his other brother was all mad. You should be mad at him, dad. He spoiled, took all your money and ran away with it. You need to be mad at him, and look, look, he's getting what I deserve. I'm here. And what is the father? Hey, you've been here the whole time. You could have had whatever you wanted, but you didn't ask for it. So God accepted him. So today, I want you to know God is not mad at you. No matter what you're going through, He's mad about you. You're His masterpiece, and He loves you, and He cares for you. And when you hear other people say that, say, hey, you know what? I got something to say. tell you about that. And you can share some of these points with them. Share this video with them. And let them know. Would you buy your hand and close your eyes? Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor Doug, I thought God was mad at me. I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, but I want to be saved. I need to come to God. I need to, I need to be a Christian. I need this love he's talking about. I need to know this Father. I need to know this love. I need to know this care. I, I had a bad relationship with my dad, possibly, whatever your, your situation is. I was hurt and abused, and I, I, I put the two together, and I, I thought God was like my dad, and now I realize he's not, well, however you want to look at it. But who today would say, Pastor Doug, I'm not a Christian, but I want to get saved. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be redeemed today. Will you just lift your hand up and just say, just say, hey, that's me. Anybody at all? I want to receive Christ. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Well, who would, who would, who would be bold enough and be a mature Christian enough to say at times in my life, I have felt like that way, that God was mad at me? My hand's up right now. Both of my hands up. Look, everybody, say everybody felt that way. Well, hopefully after today's message, you'll realize that God is not mad at you, that he's madly in love with you. So take a different outlook on God. Take a different outlook on life and allow Holy Spirit to touch you. And when that conviction comes, bring it in. And whenever you're going through a hard time, say, God, this really stinks really bad. But thank you for trusting me with this. And I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove that, that I'm going to prove to you how much I care back. And I know you're trying to make me stronger. I know you're trying to give character to me. I know you're trying to help me, so I know you're not mad. You're trying to make me, make me a strong warrior for Christ. Thank you for, for trusting me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. God, I'm just overwhelmed by your love today. I'm overwhelmed by your presence. I'm overwhelmed by what happened yesterday, what you're doing in our community and through our church. I have no question, God, where ministry goes money follows the ministry and so I know you're going to take care of us and you're going to get us what we need and give us the right place but God today we just thank you for the for the truth that you're not mad at us thank you for the truth Lord that that you you're madly in love with us thank you for showing us that and God help us to forgive our fathers those of those that had fathers like I had a good father Lord but the, help us forgive those fathers that were not good our, our moms that were not good and, and gave us that skewed relationship about who you were. Help, help those in this room and, and on, on video to, to forgive those people, but to turn towards you and know that you are our Abba Father. We love you, God. 
We're so thankful for you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.